Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Hello, dear ones. I hope you are well today. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to share something I learned from an audiobook I'm listening to right now called Somatic Internal Family Systems Therapy by Susan McConnell. Did you know that we can ground ourselves more fully with the simple act of putting our feet on the ground? Susan shares with us in her book that there is a somatic awareness associated with the earth element. She says, We all need a secure, solid place to stand where we know we belong, just as we are. A place we rest in. A place we move out from. I just love that. And I like her writing because this somatic wisdom echoes something I learned in my mediation work with the Hopi Indians many years ago about Mother Earth. And what a simple shift of attention to our feet can do to ground us at any time. And we can build a resource of feeling grounded. Each time I walk barefoot in the grass of my yard or on any beach, I feel more secure and solid. I bet you might too. Well, I'm always looking to the wisdom of others and other traditions to learn new things and connect with what we've known all along about ways to realign our central nervous systems and integrate our traumas so we heal. And it's an expansive time we are in with such ancient wisdom often now being supported by neuroscience and modern scientific findings. Well, Audible has been one of my go-to places to find books and podcasts on these topics, and even guided meditations on wellness. And Audible is now supporting Blink of an Eye podcast. Visit audibletrial.com backslash blink of an eye pod to sign up for a free 30-day Audible trial. You'll also get a free audiobook of your choice by using our link. <laughs> yep, it's pretty cool. And for every person who signs up with our link, Blink of an Eye Podcasts earns some money. So if you're looking to give Audible a try, visit audibletrial.com backslash Blink of an iPod. The link will also be in the show notes for easy access. Now, for today's bonus episode, here we are rounding the corner to season three 
which will start in April. I hope you have enjoyed hearing about important moments from seasons one and two, from folks who were behind the scenes in their own words. You heard about the moment of Archer's injury, which might hearken you back to remembering a time when you heard shocking news yourself that was devastating to you or for someone in your life. To the chaotic rescue from the beach, which might have you thinking about things you never considered before with beach rescues and EMS workers. To the prayer vigil at the Friends School in Baltimore, which might inspire you about how powerful your presence is for another during their time of crisis and loss. Well, today is part one of a two-part series of bonus episodes consisting of the highlights of trauma healing learnings. Yes, this episode will pull highlights from one half of season two, Trauma Healing Learnings, and our next bonus episode, part two, will revisit the other half of the season. Listen in for wisdom on everything from conflict transformation tips and self-advocacy in medical settings to an excerpt of a meditation for when you're in pain. I hope this double-pack montage gives you some inspiration for how you can resource in everyday life what you already have to heal your own past traumas. So, take a deep breath, settle in, and anticipate some new insight awaiting you. Yes, in store just for you as you listen in. This is Highlights of Trauma Healing Learnings, Part 1. While I am a mediator and not a neuroscientist, I have been interested nonetheless in neuroscience for years for insights about conflict. I have learned much from brain and mind scientists. High conflict has the same emotional flooding in our brains as does trauma and shock. So teaching about this human experience of shutting down, being on hyper alert, and understanding the nature of blood flow that normally would be flowing to the prefrontal cortex of our brains, but instead is rerouted in a split second to the brain stem to protect us is an important understanding. It helps us to know that crazy behavior we have in conflict is because the brain is offline. The prefrontal cortex is that part of the brain located where our foreheads are and on the top of our heads. It's that part of the brain that does our more complex thinking called executive thinking. In conflict, high conflict, 
and trauma, that part of the brain goes offline as the brain reroutes neural impulses to the brain stem, also called the reptilian brain, for a more primitive response motivated by survival instincts. So the super quick and a split second conflict trigger pushes blood through our bodies to our extremities, our hands and feet to react in fight, flight, freeze, or collapse. We can talk more about these responses later if you're interested. I've been studying them for many, many years. Just write me at louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com. There are a lot of changes going on in the brain in conflict, stress, and trauma. Now, couple this physiological reactivity of fight, flight, freeze, or collapse, where the blood flow to the brain is constricted with brain chunking, where the brain was glossing over details in order to be efficient, it's highly possible and indeed likely that someone in overwhelming stress or trauma is missing many details if such details are not material to survival and is hyper-focused only on the details of survival. How to intervene or be of service to someone in such a state? Well, as a mediator, I have always been humbled by a skill we teach in our conflict transformation skills trainings called reflection. The reflection skill is so powerful because it is so effective. And it's powerful for everyone, including young children and Harvard-educated doctors. Everyone. It's powerful in daily interactions as well to work something out, such as with someone at work or a customer or a patient. It's very powerful in highly stressful communications, including trauma. Why is this so? Because it's a skill that allows a pause, that allows oxygen back up to the prefrontal cortex so the brain can relax and have greater blood flow. So, what is a reflection? Well, essentially, a reflection is just that. You reflecting back to another person exactly what they said. Not your words, theirs. Not what you think they said, but what they actually said. Literally. It's a real art form. Because it's not a mimic. Oh, no, 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 not at all. It's more like honoring what they said with an amplification of what the person said so the person can hear herself or himself. And so that the listener 
can hear accurately what is meant by the word stated. That's the beauty of it. It's good for all. It allows the speaker to get clear by having the chance to edit or retract or even say, I didn't say that, even when they did. And it's not a time to challenge. It's a time to help them get clear. And it allows the other person the chance to hear it again more completely as intended. I learned during my years of working with the Hopi Indian tribe about the power of being aligned with Mother Earth. When we find ourselves in turmoil or conflict or experiencing the overwhelm of trauma, we can literally reestablish our connection with the ground to feel more grounded, more rooted, more stable. If you think of trauma as an experience that overwhelms your central nervous system, whether it is a physical trauma to the body or an emotional trauma to the psyche, it is highly likely your brain has sent signals to your body to shut down or to go on hyper alert or both to protect you and keep you alive. But in this state, we are not grounded. Indeed, we are untethered and even disassociated if extreme. You might practice now your ability to ground yourself so that you are more resourced if you do experience a trigger from a past trauma or you experience a future trauma. And this practice can happen at any given moment. The author Susan McConnell writes that early relational trauma may have ripped away our connection to a secure, safe sense of belonging and we live in a world of unprecedented challenges. Anytime we are startled or afraid, our shoulders automatically hike upward. We feel all of our energy move upward and we lose our ground. We can find our ground again with literally lying, sitting or standing on the ground or floor. It's a wonderful reminder of the power we all have now. This can build a resource for you in the moment or hours of crisis, as well as the days or years after an initial trauma, as you work towards integration to metabolize that original trauma or the remnants of generational trauma. Remember that trauma experiences can remain encoded in our cells and be re-triggered over and over again if they remain unintegrated. But the simple shift of attention to feel your toes literally on the ground 
right now as you sit or walk, feeling the support of the floor or earth can help your body realign and feel calmer, clearer, and more open. We, the caregivers and lovers of the patient, can breathe life into the ethical standard of informed consent by lifting up patient autonomy and patient integrity in many ways that are not traditional ways or normative ways, the ways hospitals might do things now, but ways that we know matter to a human being. Anytime any of us feels even a slight shift of clarity or personal strength, empowerment, we get closer to the feeling that we are whole and restored again. Mm -hmm. This is valuable for the long road of trauma healing. We can help our loved ones and those in the medical profession can help the patients under their care with trauma healing by our simple act of taking the time to explain clearly and gently and in conversation what is being presented or asked regarding the next step in medical care and providing a forum for questions and dialogue and discernment from the place of compassionate neutral. Wouldn't any surgeon want their patient to have understood what is happening? Real dialogue and time needed for discernment is worth every moment even if the time is pressing. <laughs> Pressure. That tightness we feel in our brains. That shortness we experience in our speech. That low-level mounting feeling we get that gives us a stomach ache that tsunami of emotions that can unhinge us, pressure. It's often when we feel we are running out of time or that there is not enough of something, causing a feeling of great urgency or that feeling that we are in over our heads, that feeling something may go very wrong. We may feel intense pressure in our heads with headaches that throb or in our hands if we're trembling or in our knees that might feel weak or in our fists which might tighten 
or our mouths, which might feel dry and even go slack or get very clenched. Shocking pressure causes some people to collapse, feeling out of control. An intense pressure causes others to muscle up and fight for control. We all feel pressure from time to time, right? Pressure is part of the crisis experience. Pressure is part of the conflict experience. And sometimes we live through times of ongoing pressure that might be over days or even weeks or even months. What precedes the above bodily responses is the very real and human experience of mental confusion and some degree of opposition to what is. This kind of mental confusion can trigger what is now recognized as brain fog because our bodies, and specifically our guts, are having a tough time digesting the pressure or the conflict. Our bodies and our thinking are very interrelated and symbiotic when we experience crisis and ongoing conflict or distress. Yes, we can make ourselves sick when we feel this type of stress. Indeed, the way we think and what we think can actually make us sicker. While the experience of stress impacts our thinking, our thinking impacts our stress. Stated another way, the way we think is directly related to the way our bodies respond. You might say, well, of course, I know that. But it's the corollary that is the real attention grabber. If the way we think can make us sick, then the way we think can heal us. So, advocacy lesson number one, believe in what is possible. This goes a long, long way in trauma healing too. And if you are the person supporting someone else in crisis, believe this for them and remind them regularly that everything is possible, including the truth that life does get better. It does. One of the reasons for effective advocacy is a genuine positive outlook. An outlook that believes you have to fight for everything will miss opportunities for human connection, which is what really moves the ball forward or gets people on the same page. 
which brings me to advocacy lesson number two. No advocacy is effective long-term if you can't bring others along with you. They need to see and join you in the same North Star with the ability to also see what is possible. It was on this day in the companion story that I began a very intentional search for someone on the medical team to partner with me as I wanted to make decisions together. I knew it was impossible to move Archer forward without the medical team working with us to make that happen. It wasn't that they were not as interested as we were in giving Archer good medical care. It was that we were looking at the big picture of what it would take for Archer to get out of ICU and to thereafter arrive. That's a different North Star than just getting someone out of a situation. Because there can be decisions made short term that are not as well thought through for long term. I think medical teams could benefit from collaboration, not only with each other, for better decision-making when they're so siloed, but for collaboration with families. Once assembled and engaged, and sharing again your North Star, and listening for their goals, or what they identify as the barriers, ask a lot of questions. Yes, discernment begins with listening, and listening is enhanced by genuine questions posed. This is how we can seek answers and get clear to move the ball forward. can help the mind to settle down and thus the body to relax is having a realistic strategy or a plan. And this can include engaging the imagination. Yes, envisioning what is possible and also what a plan might look like releases the hormone dopamine the happiness hormone. This ability to look ahead with our imaginations is also referred to as coping ahead in dialectical behavioral therapy. Coping ahead is when you picture all the outcomes in a future situation or difficulty and imagine yourself coping well with them. It's like asking, What do I need to do here to be successful and cope well? And then imagining it. Even if it is but one small step, that plan is a surefire way to engage and begin to tame overwhelm. It is literally 
a surefire way because it excites the neurons in your brain, which send out and create new pathways and new ways to solve problems. And whether you knew that from neuroscience or not, you did know this already. Just like when you were in grade school, learning to read or spell, and your mom taught you to chunk out the syllables of big words. Remember that? Breaking them down into parts so you could digest them and learn them. It is no different in a crisis, and it's no different when you are an adult. Think about a time when you were in high school and freaking out about how you were going to study for five exams in three days, and your mom or dad sat down with you and helped you sequence your time for how you would study a plan. You get the idea. Small, concrete, bite-sized steps. And if you imagined yourself being successful on those exams, then you would have had the added benefit of coping ahead. I just love that. Well, the same goes for adults when any of us is in crisis. Bite-sized chunks. Sequencing in the proper order, making lists not too long and prioritizing them or writing out an itinerary for where you are going, basically breaking into smaller pieces what it is you have to do and in the right order in which to do them and with a reasonable amount of time needed to do them is all part of having a plan. These kinds of skills, which you have used all your life to help manage pressure you might have felt at different times in your life, are excellent skills to call upon when in crisis. To understand pain, we need to understand the brain. The brain wants to keep us safe. The brain generates pain because of what it fears. The brain even generates pain despite what our eyes see or our ears hear. Because the brain is constantly anticipating what it has come to believe based on prior experiences. We need to understand that so we can give ourselves some compassion. Whatever it is that shows up in your body as a sensation is an important clue for your well-being. It's a portal to your healing. In your past, if you experienced an emotional pain at the same time you experienced a physical pain from any injury, even surgery, or anything that caused physical pain, Even after the physical pain heals, your pain can continue because of what the brain believes. This is a fundamental understanding for chronic or recurring pain. 
In the past, some trauma doctors referred to this as phantom pain, but it is not phantom. It is real. Remember, your brain is sending messages to your cells and your brain is just trying to protect you and you have cellular memory of what was encoded at the time of the original pain. So when we can locate the sensation of pain in our bodies, it allows us to rework the coding in ways that talk therapy can begin to unlock with new insights, but that somatic release methods will further heal in ways that are more profound for our physical health and well-being. Letting go of a wrong is complicated. What to do? Well, let's recognize that each time you or I feel wounded or are wounded, there is a negative energy current that races through our bodies as babies until we are old and gray and die. The Chinese would say this is the chi of life. And trauma and trauma healing is related to that chi. So paying attention to where that chi is blocked in your life that is related to the past times when she was constricted because you were wronged or wounded is a good place to take our understanding now. You might want to have a conversation salon or work with a counselor or therapist or body worker or transformative mediator or trauma healer or good friend who can listen compassionately without judgment. Look back on what might have come up for you today and further explore it. It's often the trapped energy of our past that stands in the way of our ability to forgive. <laughs> How does that land for you? I think it's true. The world is full of possibilities, and it begins with believing that the world is full of possibilities. This is a mindset, and it can be nurtured in your heart. Don't give up. But you don't have to fight to not give up. And you don't have to fight in ways that provoke the other into fighting back or fighting in ways that could harm you. You will probably both lose in such situations anyway or certainly expend a great deal of your time and resources that could be spent on other good things. When you feel you are faced with no real options, 
think harder. Believe what is possible. Don't give up on believing that something good will come of a bad situation. Personally for me, this is where a belief in God and God's time is so helpful. It might not be tomorrow or this year that something good emerges, but in time, God's time, something good will happen if you keep the faith in that belief and do not add to the negative energy. We don't have to fight reality. We can expand reality. What we see and hear and feel is usually only partial of what is really presented. And this includes a belief that we are out of options. Let me give you an example. Notice what you're doing right now. Notice the sounds around you. Now, just close your eyes for a minute and be still. Notice more sounds. Notice smells you had not been aware of until you paused and took in more of reality. Those sounds or those smells, they were there all along. What does it mean to have a North Star? Well, the North Star for ancient travelers in the Northern Hemisphere was the primary direction point for navigation. It is often seen as the anchor of the Northern sky, providing a guiding light for navigators and travelers for thousands of years across seas and across wilderness without getting lost. It has been written by others, such as Jennifer Gamble Theard, an educator and historian, that the, quote, North Star is a landmark or sky marker that helps those who follow it determine direction as it glows brightly in the sky to guide and lead toward a purposeful destination, end quote. She and others also write that the North Star has a symbolic meaning as it depicts a beacon of inspiration and hope. How many times have you felt or been lost in your life or not sure of what direction to go in, what decision to make? We would not be human 
if we had never had the experience of not knowing what to do or feeling lost, even if just for a moment. As we know, trauma is not just a moment and it's not just an event. Trauma is an experience. Feeling lost is part of that experience for many people over extended periods of time. It's hard. And for anyone experiencing deep loss or cataclysmic change in their lives, that wave of loss can come up and surprise you, even months and years later. And that wave of feeling lost can also recede as quickly as it came up when you move forward in the right direction. Constriction and expansion. Well, some of those waves of not knowing what is next can overcome you from time to time in ways that can almost paralyze you. If this has ever happened to you or to someone you know or care about, it can be very helpful on our trauma healing journeys to define a North Star because a true North is always there. I think we are given opportunities over and over again in our lives to experience living fully again and again. Contraction, expansion, fracture, repair, right? I bet you can think of a time in your life when you met all of reality. And I imagine you and she were better for it, right? You were stronger for it. And you were likely softer, more tender, more compassionate for it. Yes, we can acknowledge both the pain and the relief, the wound and the loving touch, the tightness and the release when we live into a life of compassion. Indeed, it is often others' compassion that supports us through our suffering. And we can do the same for them. We could say that radical acceptance means just accept. Yes, for those who can feel into that deeply, accepting it all can be powerful. And to shift one's attention to think, just accept, similar to surrender to win, as Bill discussed in the companion story, is a part of radical acceptance. Of course, you need to know when it's genuine rather than a bypass, which just sets you up for more suffering. It's usually a movement you do with full attention with some method that you've learned for integrating how you surrender 
and how you accept. Let's just pause a moment before we continue on. The method of surrendering. It's not enough to just shift our mindset, although that is a huge part of it. We need somatic awareness too. Think of it as a movement you consciously do with intention. It's a movement to just notice the suffering or anger or discomfort and bring some attention to it. We are learning that it is not necessary to overpower the experience of our central nervous systems again with thoughts of go away or I shouldn't be like this or why am I feeling this again? Why can't I make this stop? Just give that some attention and be. Yes, there is a surrendering sort of movement that we can experience in our bodies when we choose with the shift of attention to just be with whatever it is and relax into resistance. When we are not in alignment with ourselves, and I might add a higher purpose, not in, shall we say, low, we make choices that are limited and restricted. We do. We often give up. And this can be an expected human tendency, or one of many, that capitulates to conflict or setback. But with a simple shift and focus of attention, neither blocking the negative nor resisting the obstacle, but rather inviting in a new thought pattern, inviting in a new possibility, we can experience feeling the physical sensation of being more relaxed we can actually experience somatically a feeling that we are back on solid ground, that we have regained our steadiness. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Of course you do, because this has happened to you too. That shift of attention is a relational choice what we call a relational move. It's relational because it was conscious, intentional, and it was good for you. And it's good for the other person you impact or influence. And it restores well-being to both of you, or all of you, as it goes. Here is a prayer given to me by a Jewish friend called the Mishi Berach. May the one who blessed our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. Bless our loved ones who are ill. Archer, or you could insert the name of your loved one. May the Holy One, source of blessings, be filled with compassion for him and grant healing and recovery, strength and fortitude. May he receive a swift and complete healing from heaven, a healing of the soul and a healing of the body. May this be soon and without delay. Let us say, Amen. I have learned about Muslim healing prayers from Huda, an Islam expert who attended Loyola University here in Baltimore and is an educator and author who writes about Islam. Huda says that Muslims are taught to understand that human beings are fragile, weak, and prone to illness. We all get sick at one time or another some more seriously than others. Muslims see illness, Huda says, not as a punishment from Allah, but rather as a test. Will you keep your faith strong despite your poor health? Will you see your illness as a cause of despair or as an opportunity to turn to Allah for mercy and healing. Whenever the early Muslims became sick, they sought the advice of the Prophet Muhammad himself. When someone fell ill, the Prophet would recite one of the four du'as from the Sunnah for them as they called upon God or Allah. It is recommended to touch the area of pain on the body with the right hand while reciting this. O Allah, the sustainer of mankind, remove the illness, cure the disease. You are the one who cures. There is no cure except your cure. Grant us a cure that leaves no illness. And here is the prayer I clung to daily, a Catholic prayer while enduring the ICU with Archer. It's called the prayer for a creative miracle. And it's also the prayer that the blue angels, <laughs> yes, those amazing flight pilots pulling off breathtaking formations and airplanes who came for a surprise hospital visit recited with me as we gathered in a circle with hands on Archer in his bed. Where I say Archer in the prayer, you could say my or fill in the name of your loved one. Prayer for a creative miracle. God of all creation, you who spoke a simple command and brought forth light from the darkness, I call upon you now to send forth your miracle working power into every aspect 
of archers be. In the same way that you spoke unto the dust of the ground when you created humankind in your own image, I ask you to send forth your healing power into Archer's body. Send forth your word and command every cell, electrical and chemical impulse, tissue, joint, ligament, organ, gland, muscle, bone, and every molecule in Archer's body to come under complete and perfect health, strength, alignment, balance, and harmony. It is through you that Archer lives and moves and has his being. With every breath he takes, he lives under your life-giving grace. I ask you to touch him now with the same miracle-working power that you used when you fashioned him inside his mother's womb. As surely as you have created Archer in your image and likeness, you can also recreate Archer now and restore his health. Please fill Archer with your healing power. Cast out all that should not be inside of him. I ask you to mend all that is broken, root out every sickness and disease. Open all blocked arteries and veins. Restore his internal organs. Rebuild his damaged tissues. Remove all inflammation and cleanse him of all infections, viruses, and destructive forms of bacteria. Let the warmth of your healing love flood Archer's entire being so that his body will function the way it was created to be, whole and complete, renewed in your perfect health. I ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening in. I hope these highlights spurred you to reflect on what you learned in Season 2. We'll be back in a couple weeks with part two of more highlights of these trauma healing learnings from the other half of the season. I'd love to hear from you about what you've learned from listening to Blink of an Eye and these montage episodes. Email me at louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com if you'd like to share. We are all so interconnected. Just like the ideas shared in these trauma healing learnings, we can build on our progress and grow together. And I look forward to connecting with you more as we begin season three in April. As always, 
Follow us on Instagram at Blink of an Eye Pod and find us on Facebook at Blink of an Eye Podcast. Season three is in the works and will be coming to you wherever you listen to podcasts in several weeks. This gives you time to catch up and go back to episodes you may have missed. And please tell your friends or anyone who might be home in quarantine or isolated due to COVID-19 to start with episode one, season one, to binge listen to a riveting story that will help the time fly by and provide new insights. listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. Baltimore Mediation has offered trainings and workshops on conflict transformation, mediation, relational leadership, and the Enneagram since 1993. For more information on our course offerings, visit www.baltimoremediation.com.